he, he's trying to adopt himself as, uh, into our family. He's trying to... He, he, every time he sees Pastor Mike, he always refers like, I'm your son, you know, this is... You're my dad, I'm your son, and... Uh, but he's a great friend. He pastors a fantastic church in, in Malaysia. Malaysia is a, uh, is a predominantly Muslim country, but yeah, he's building a, a, a strong, dynamic church in there. Uh, we've got hundreds of people in there, and also uh, is aiming to plant churches right through Asia and, uh, and wherever else. And uh, you're a great man. There's so many, uh, you know, in ministry, sometimes there are people that you kind of rub shoulders with, and that's about it. There's other people that, are, that become really good friends, and uh, it's a great privilege and an honor to have a really good friend of mine here today who loves me and he loves you and uh, today he wants to uh, just a great privilege to have you here man why don't you just welcome Pastor Saras as he comes to bring the word this morning you know we do look similar eh yeah you're dark chocolate or dark white chocolate, chocolate white chocolate <laughs> everyone's chocolate man everybody loves chocolate man there's something wrong with you if you don't like chocolate. Jesus loves chocolate. That's why he created Indians. I don't know, half of you got the... Do you understand my English? I like five people. Do you understand my English? That's so good. How are you? All right, I brought the sunshine with me from Penang. Um, Penang is a beautiful state. It's a beautiful island. Everything is beautiful because my church is there. And because my church is there, Jesus is there. I don't know about the other churches. If you see the other churches, I don't go to the other churches. Just come to mine. If you're ever in Penang, come and visit me. All right. I'll take care of you. We were so good in our hospitality that we hospitalize people. We're so good. I brought my family with me this trip. I think the last time I came here, I came with uh, two of my guys. And um, I spent, yeah, it was like two years ago, two years ago. And um, the church was smaller then when I came here. Right now, it looks so modern. There's an LED screen. They discovered that Jesus turns up faster when they have LED. That's what, that's what we, we found out about our church. You know, we, we, we have a huge LED. And we discovered there's more anointing with a bigger LED. So I'm just, I'm, a, I'm, I'm telling you guys, get a bigger LED. Because when you have more lights at the back there, you hear the glory coming true. I brought my family with me. Um, I've got one wife. Um, thank God. <laughs> uh, one beautiful wife. Um, her name is Felina. She pastors the church with me. Uh, could you stand up? Okay. And uh, this is my wife. Um, I, I want, I want to, she's Chinese, she's not Indian, all right? Um, I'm part Chinese. All right? Because <laughs> none of you believe it. I'm, I'm really Chinese. I grew up with Chinese people all my life. That makes me Chinese. Have you seen white people that hang out with black people and then they start talking like black people, like they're black? It's the same thing. All right, and... Um, Basically, she runs the church. I'm the church mascot. Honestly, I'm the church mascot. I don't know what happens to my church. All I know, she tells me, preach, and I preach. Every Sunday, I get up and go, hoo-ha-he, and everybody goes rah-rah about it, and then everybody goes home happy, and then she does all the work. For the whole week, I just wait. On Saturday, she tells me, preach. I'm a good husband. I'm a smart husband. I listen to my wife. See, all the guys, guys, you got to understand this. We never win an argument. You know, a husband and wife, can I take just five minutes? You know, the clock has not started yet. Is there? Okay. You know, in every argument between a husband and wife, the man should always have the last word. Two last two words. The man should always have the last word. How many of you agree, man? See, you guys are chicken. In my marriage... I have the last two words in every argument. It's called, yes, dear. Because anything after that is a brand new argument. Because you got to be as dumb as dumb can be. You got to be Forrest Gump's son 
to not understand that, okay? All right, as dumb as dumb can be. And uh, I brought with me my two girls, uh, Michelle and Marissa. Um, one of them is going to study here, hopefully. Uh, not here, in, in New Zealand. Somewhere, hopefully. And um, it's going to be fun. Are you ready right now? So before I go on, i got to say thank you to uh, Dave and Kate for having me here. Um, they are brave people for having me on stage again. Every time I come, I do something bad and I go off and then the church attendance drops and then they got to recover for two years. And then after two years, they forget. I'm like, I'm, you, know, you know, it's like pregnancy. When you give birth, you go through the whole pain and it's like, oh, I will never have another child. And two years later, you want another child. Dave and Kate are like that. They keep forgetting the mess that I create every time I come. So it's going to be a good day for me. I don't know about you, but it's going to be a good day for me. I love listening to myself. Uh, and I got I to tag Pastor Mike and Sister Joy because uh, Pastor Mike sits on my advisory board in my church. He's one of my apostolic advisors. And, uh, and it's, it's really, really great because he was just with us a couple of weeks ago. And we had a great time. Um, okay, you don't have to ask him. I'm just telling you. Just take my word for it. He had a great time. Okay, I fed him. I took him out and I did everything that I needed to do for a father. My father. Our father. Who are in Wellington. And, um, and we send him back happy. And uh, he's so happy that he decided not to be here and trust me with the pulpit. Are you ready right now? I think God just showed up. Are you ready right now? Okay. Well, let's pray. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that this, this morning that you will come and do that miracle work that only you can do. Spirit of God, I pray that you come and speak to every single one of us. Lord, for every person that knows you, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will take us to another level of our relationship and faith with you. Father, for every person who does not know you, I pray in the name of Jesus, today they will have a revelation from heaven of who you are and what you can, you can do. Father, I want to bless you for ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say, Amen. everybody say, Amen. today I want to talk to you about touching Jesus. Can I be me for a while? Now, you got to respond, man. This, if you don't respond, I preach longer. Because I, I, I don't know whether the sound is getting to the back and you understand my English. And if you don't understand my English, I keep repeating myself like four or five times. And if I keep repeating myself four or five times, you're going to be here for three hours. Do you understand me? All right. I don't know if you have gone through a season where you're not having any breakthrough. When you've gone through a season where you're not experiencing miracle in your life. Maybe you've gone through a season where you want God to do something in your life. But you've gone through that season so long, nothing has happened. You are ready to give up. You have tried everything that's possible. You have seen everybody. You have gone to as many altar calls as you can go to. And you come out and nothing seems to happen. And you go back every week thinking... God, I want to give up. I'm ready to throw in the towel. God, I don't believe that you can heal me. God, I don't believe you can give me a miracle. God, I don't believe you can give me a breakthrough in my life. Because you know what, God? I don't want to believe. But somewhere deep down in your heart, you cannot accept the fact that God cannot do a miracle in your life. You cannot accept the fact that God can do a breakthrough in your life. You cannot accept the fact that God can heal you. You know, you're thinking, I want to throw in. But somewhere along the line... The Bible that you have read and the church that you belong to believes in a God that does the impossible, that does the miraculous. You don't want to throw in the towel. But nothing seems to happen. Nothing seems to happen in your life. And all of us at some point in our life, we feel like that. Today I want to talk to you about a woman who has gone through a season in her life, not just a short period of time, a long season in her life where she has not experienced any miracle in her life. She has gone to every doctor she can go to. She has done everything that was possible, but she did not experience a miracle. And every day for 12 years she has been suffering. 12 years suffering with an issue she, she should not be suffering with. No person should be suffering with this issue. And one day she's coming back from a doctor's visit and the doctor just told her, you know what, there's no cure for your sickness. There's no cure for your disease. You just have to suffer and live with the shame 
and endure the pain. And she's coming back from the doctor one day. Tears begin to swell in her eyes as her lips begin to quiver. Fear grips her heart as she's walking in and she walks into a huge sea of people. And there are people standing in front of her and she's wondering what's happening because this does not happen in the town very often. And she turns around to the nearest person and she asks, hey, what's happening? And the person says to her, don't you know Jesus is in town? Don't you know Jesus is in town? Who is Jesus? Don't you know Jesus? Jesus, the one that can heal, the one that can deliver, the one that can set people free. That Jesus. And she suddenly recalls that she has heard of this Jesus. She has heard of what Jesus could do. And she starts to believe in her heart. You know what? Maybe this Jesus could, could heal me. Maybe this Jesus could do the one thing that nobody else can do. And she looks up and he looks through the sea of people. And she sees on the other side a man whose face is filled with hope. He's a man whose hope, whose face is beaming the glory of God. And she thinks to him, that must be that man. That must be that man. And the Bible says, I want you to turn with me. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 40 to 42, it says this. Now Jesus returned and a crowd welcomed him. For they were all expecting him. They were all expecting him. And the man named Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with me, come to my house because my only daughter... A girl of 12 was dying. Now I want you to understand, this was not a normal day for Jesus. The night before, Jesus was preaching and teaching somewhere. And then he gets on a boat and he gets caught in the storm. And he calms the storm and he's been casting out demons and he's been healing people. And Jesus just comes to the town and everybody knows that Jesus has coming into town because somebody put it on WhatsApp. Somebody put it on Facebook and Instagram. That Jesus was in town. And because Jesus is in town, everybody is hoping Jesus is about to have a meeting. So everybody is gathered and Jesus comes in town and he's hit by this group of people. A large group of people. And Jesus is walking and this girl, this woman must be thinking that, you know what? Maybe if I, if I just follow him long enough, he'll have a meeting. Because that's what usually Jesus does, right? Wherever he goes, he stops and does a meeting. And, you know, if I just follow him long enough, Jesus will do a, a crusade. Jesus will give an altar call. And maybe Jesus will heal me. And she's following along the crowd. And the Bible says, by that time, a man by the name of Jairus, a synagogue leader. Now, you got to understand, synagogue leaders and Jesus do not see eye to eye. But Jairus was in a desperate situation. Because his daughter was dying and Jairus came to Jesus. Jesus, you got to heal my daughter. Jesus, you got to heal my daughter. And Jesus says, okay. It's like all of a sudden the meeting that was supposed to start has just been postponed. The meeting is just canceled. And this lady who was suffering with an issue for 12 years, standing there looking at a miracle being hijacked, looking at a miracle, being taken away by somebody else. I mean, for a moment, all of the issues in life suddenly seems like nothing because somebody's daughter is dying. I mean, that's, that's a bigger issue than what I'm facing right now. I have a cold, I have a flu, I have a... Somebody's daughter is dying. I don't know about you. I, don't, I mean, have you, I've been, I've, I've been to church many times, right, where the preacher is not in sync with your need. Hello? I mean, it happened to me too many times. I come to church and the preacher is not in sync with God, me and God. There's something wrong with the preacher. You have a need, you have an issue in life, you have a problem in life, and you come to church and you're ready to expect, and you believe God is going to move, and the preacher is not connected with your God. There's something wrong with the preacher. I mean, you come into a service and you want healing, and the pastor is talking about giving. (laughs) 
want a breakthrough in your business. You want a breakthrough in your career. And the pastor is talking about love. You want a miracle. You want a miracle in your life. And the pastor is talking about boy-girl relationships. You're sitting down there and you're thinking this guy is not a man of God. You can't say that to his face because he might lay hands on you. And you're seated there and you're thinking that, you know what, maybe today is not the day. Today is not the, this is not the moment. This is not the season for me. You know what, I should just worship and go home. You know, just worship and go home and just endure the pain for another season. Since I've endured it for so long, another week won't, Right? Maybe that's how the woman felt when she saw her miracle being hijacked by somebody else. Maybe I just just go home and forget about this whole thing and just suffer for another season. Maybe Jesus will come back. But the thing is that she has been suffering for 12 years. 12 years. To suffer anything for 12 years is a long time. To endure a sickness for 12 years seems like forever. Her, Her problem was this. She had an issue of blood. A woman who understand this, she's been bleeding for 12 years nonstop. And you got to understand, by Jewish law, she's not allowed to touch somebody. She's not allowed to participate in any festival, any activity. She's not allowed even to go to church. By Jewish law, she's ostracized and she has to be alone for 12 years. She has not been able to experience the power of God for 12 years. She's been carrying this emotional and psychological baggage for 12 years. She has not hugged anybody, kissed anybody. She had no any type of intimacy with her husband for 12 years. She could not prepare meals for children (coughs) for 12 years. For 12 years. (coughs) 12 years. Isolated, all by herself, in a room, feeling sorry for herself. For all intents and purposes, she might be dead, right? I mean, being alive and not being able to touch somebody that you love. Being alive and not being able to serve somebody that you love. Being alive and not being able to do anything for God because of a sickness. It's kind of scary, right? I mean, she, we, most of us will think, what's the point of living? I mean, if, if it's me, I'll say, what's the point of living? But this woman is a very special woman. She has tried everything and nothing has worked. Doctors have failed her. Medicine has failed her. This woman has been bleeding for 12 years. This was a tremendous physical and psychological and emotional pain that she's been carrying for 12 years. Can you almost... Feel her pain for 12 years, living with the same thing for 12 years. She had to change those bloody bandages for 12 years, living with the sight and the smell and the weakness of the problem for 12 years, mustering up a little hope, believing the next person, the next doctor, the next medicine, the next process, the next treatment will cure her. But every process, every treatment, every doctor has failed her. For 12 years, she prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happened. For 12 years, she's been looking out for someone to help her for for 12 years. For 12 years. Every day, filled with disappointment. Every day, filled with disappointment. (coughs) Have you ever felt that hopeless before? Where you try and try and try and try and nothing seems to work. Every season, every day, every week, every month, every year, you know, you're in an impossible situation. But I want to tell you, in every impossible situation, there's always hope in Jesus Christ. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power in His presence. There is power. She goes to the meeting, and before the meeting starts, somebody else has hijacked things, and she said, you know what? Her miracle is gone. She's about to throw in the towel, but she realized she could do something. This was the one man that can help my problem. This is the one man that can heal me of my sickness. This is the one man, and his name is Jesus, and he's right in front of me. I've got to make a decision. 
She's about to do something that's very, very risky because the Bible says that if a woman who is considered unclean touch a person who is unclean, she makes that person unclean. And she also risks being stoned to death. She's about to do that. And I'm looking at this, this passage and I realize something about our God. In our moment of greatest, our greatest blessing often happens after our greatest desperation. Our greatest blessing often happens after our greatest passion. Our greatest healing often happens after our greatest hurt. Our greatest delivery often comes after we realize how great our bondage is. Our greatest joy often comes after our greatest sorrow. You see, if you understand this truth, that God is not true with you, even though you think you are true, you have the knowledge, you have a hope in God that God is not done, you can live longer. See, most of us, we give up too fast. Oh, the moment is gone. The chance is gone. Yeah, too bad. Let's go home. Okay, it's the Indian guy. The Indian guy can't do anything. We need Pastor Mike. Okay, Pastor Mike can't do anything. We need Maldonado. Right? We go through that process. But how many of you know <laughs> Jesus is not true with us yet? God is not done with us. And that fact alone gives us a sense of hope. That no matter what you're going through right now, even the darkest moment of your life, at the end of the day, there is a light that is going to shine upon you. When you're facing your biggest trouble, we need to understand God is about to give us our biggest solution. When we are going through our weakest time, our greatest strength is coming from heaven because God is not done with us yet. If you're not dead, God is not done. Come on. If you're not dead, God is not done. This woman was about to receive a greatest blessing, but before that, you got to understand, she endured a lot of shame. She endured a lot of pain. And some of us are living with pain, and some of us are living with shame. And some of us, our shame is controlling our lives. Maybe you did something that you're really, really sorry about. You did something that you really, really regret. Maybe you've turned to alcohol and you've done some drugs in your life and you think to yourself, you know what, if anybody finds out who I am and what I have done, nobody will respect me, nobody will like me. Maybe you'll be falsely accused by somebody. Maybe you have marriage failure, someone in your family messed up so badly that if anybody knew about it, people would just not talk to you. You have failed certain things in life and you wish nobody knew about it. And you have to endure the shame. And the thing about pain and shame is this. We all go through it. You have certain pain in your life and you have certain shame in your life. And I have certain pain in my life and certain shame in my life. But our problem is this. We should never let it control us because Jesus is about to set us free. This woman, I mean, this woman is about to experience the greatest pain. And I, I, I love this woman because a passion and a love for Jesus must be real. Because she did not trust what's, about, what's happening in the midst right there. She trusted a name that is greater than whatever was happening there. She came to a place, you know what, I'm going to call on the name of Jesus. I'm going to call on the one person that can heal me. I'm going to call on the one name that is above every other name. At his name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. I'm going to call on that name and that name is Jesus. I'm going to call. Now, she may not have verbally said it, but she's about to do something that is much greater than saying it. She's about to do it. You know what's the thing? She put her faith in Jesus. And I think a lot of us struggle with putting our faith in Jesus. Many of us believe Jesus for heaven, but we don't believe Jesus for earth. Hello? I mean, every one of us, do you believe you're going to go to heaven? Yes. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Do you believe Jesus can do miracles? Do you believe Jesus can do the supernatural in your life? Yeah, if Maldonado is here. If Pastor Mike is here. You know, it's that guy, this guy. We believe God. How many of you have been to heaven? And you, you can believe for that? How, 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 how? Well, the Bible says so. Which part? 
um, John 3.16, I think. You think? You're betting your whole, the rest of your life on an I think? Okay. So what? Why can't you believe Jesus now? Oh, Jesus. It's, you know, that's... Um, hello? Do you believe Jesus can heal? Yes, he can heal you. We believe healing for everybody else but ourselves. We believe a miracle of God for everybody else but me. We believe God can provide exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine or pray as long as it's not me. That should be the verse. Right? Come on. I mean, think about it for a while. A lot of people endure pain and shame in their life because they don't completely trust Jesus. So we continue in our terrible situation, not because Jesus cannot help us. It's because we don't trust Jesus enough. We don't trust Jesus at this next level. Some of us don't want to humble ourselves and admit our fault. That's the reason why we cannot have what God wants to do in our life. You got certain issues that God wants to deal with and you don't want God to deal with. And so you tell God, God, nah, nah, nah. Nah, 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 nah. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. Some of us, we don't trust God, but we trust our own abilities. I mean, if you cannot solve the problem, what makes you think you're going to solve the problem very soon? You can't, I mean, I've tried everything, nothing works. What makes you think you're going to You know what's madness? Okay, let me rephrase it. You know what's stupidity? Okay? It's trying the same thing over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result. You know it can't work, but now, nah, you know, I'll, I'll find a way. I believe I can fly. Try. Some of us simply have no hope and no faith. I mean, most of you are here. Some of you guys are here because your wife dragged you along. Because your wife said, if you didn't come to church, there's no lunch. Some of us turn to the world. I mean, let me ask you, right? How many of you gone to motivational talks and gurus and on financial growth and um, all those stuff, right? Let me tell you something about them. They copy each other. Okay? So let me tell you something. They're not going to provide you any answer. If your business did not break through after going to two gurus, two gurus, let me rephrase that, two gurus, let me tell you, you need Jesus. Because he's going about to give you a wisdom and insight and revelation from heaven that's going to take you to another level. Because I tell pastors, pastors, how do I grow my church? How do you, what, what, how do you create all my... Jesus. No, no, give, give me a step, five step. J-E-S-U-S, five step. Okay. Pat. I mean, there's no other formula. The Bible says lift him up and he will draw all men. So, no, 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 teach him how to lift him up. You raise both hands, and you carry the word J-E-S-U-S, hi. I mean, some people, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, is pastor talking about you? I mean, I, I, I like your, your, your whole pantry. Because some people will turn to medicine, some people will turn to alcohol, some people will turn to drugs, some people will turn to fortune tellers and mediums and all sorts of people but they will never turn to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the solution. And this woman understood that Jesus is the answer. And this woman says, you know what? For a moment, she says, you know what? I'm going to risk everything to do this one thing. I'm going to risk everything to do this one thing. And the Bible says in verse 44, she says, she came behind him, touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? 
When they all denied, Peter said, Master, people are crowding. I mean, Peter is the master of the obvious. And he says this, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, somebody touched me. The power had gone out of me. See, her insistent hope and faith in Jesus Christ made her whole once again at that very moment. She thought, you know, maybe Jesus is not going to do a meeting right now. You know what? I, maybe I just need to touch the edge of the garment. Maybe just, I just need to touch the edge of the garment and I'll be healed. Now, there was no guarantee. There was no guarantee there was going to be healing. But she thought, maybe. And I'm thinking there, right? The Bible says she was the only one that got healed. And I'm wondering there, and I'm the whole crowd of people, there may be a thousand people in the village, a thousand people gathered around to see Jesus. You mean she's the only one with a need? Come on. A thousand people. I mean, in this church, let's take just a quick... Raise your hand. How many of you have a need in your life that you need Jesus? At the count of three, raise your hands. So, let's... I mean, one person got healed? I mean, there were a lot of people in that crowd with a lot of different needs. Why didn't they get healed? Why didn't something happen to them? I mean, I, I believe, honestly, there was at least somebody who was lame. At least one or two that was blind. At least a couple of hundred that desperately needed a financial breakthrough in their life. And there may be a few women who wanted children. But she's the only one that got healed. Why? Because she was the only one that believed before she received she was the only one that believed before she received. She tried everything and everybody else, but nothing seems to work. I have trusted man. I have trusted the works of man. You know what? Today, I want to trust Jesus. I want to reach out. She had faith. In fact, the Bible says later in 48, your daughter, your faith, your faith, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. See, all my life, I believe in one simple truth. When you are in the house of God and you are in the presence of God, if you can touch the very presence of God, God can do miracles. See, you don't have to wait for somebody else. You got to touch the very presence of God. It is not the man on the stage. It is not the song that is sung. It is not the altar call. It is about Him. And if you can touch His presence, you can experience a miracle in your life. I have a saying in my church, if you have the audacity to believe, God has the ability. If you have the audacity to believe, that's the name of my church, audacity. That's our catchphrase in our church. If you have the audacity to believe, God has the ability. If you have the audacity to believe, God has the ability. Man, I'm thinking about this, and I say, if you can, if you can just touch God, if you can just reach out to God, if you can just forget about everything that's happening around you, you say, you know what? I'm not going to stay in this comfort zone that my life is built around. I'm not going to allow these problems in my life to control the situation that I'm in. I'm not going to allow my finance to dictate terms in my life. I'm going to allow Jesus, and Jesus is in this place, and Jesus is in this house. I am going to reach out and touch Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe something will happen. Come on, maybe? How do I know? I don't know. You think the women know? No. She was there. She was just reaching out. I'm going to... That's all. Kind of interesting, right? This woman reached out in faith. She didn't wait for Jesus to give a sermon first. She didn't, give, she didn't wait for Jesus to give a word of knowledge. She didn't give way for Jesus to give her an altar call that she could respond to. All she had was a little faith. And the little faith brought about the greatest miracle in her life. Maybe you need to come to church the same way. I don't need a man of God to lay hands on me. 
I don't need an altar call to respond to the experience, the things of God in my life. I don't need the right song on stage for me to feel the presence of God. I just need to believe the Jesus that I worship can do wonders in my life. Come on, musicians, come up. See, the thing about this woman, I'm going to end very soon. Um, I may need a couple of guys very soon, all right? A couple of guys. I'll tell you how many about. Well, I thought the first guy to volunteer. Oh, you drums. Okay. My man. See, I want to say something. It's often our unbelief that stands between our God and our circumstances. It's our unbelief. And all of us have, no matter how long you've been a Christian, all of us have to deal with this issue called unbelief. And oftentimes our unbelief sets us up not to experience the things of God. And maybe you've stepped out and you have not experienced anything. Maybe you have given and you have not experienced the blessing. Maybe you have reached out and nothing has happened. It has failed. Maybe it's failed because you have not put your faith in Jesus. Maybe it's not worked because you have not been looking to Jesus. You've been hearing all the wrong things. Maybe God has not blessed you because you've been so caught up in what is being said on the, in the sermon that you're not hearing the word of God. Some of us put our faith we say we put our faith in Jesus but most of the time we put our faith in the man that was on the, sta- on the stage. Oh, Pastor Dave, he's anointed but not anointed as dead. Cyrus, don't know him, don't trust him. Let me tell you something about the three of us, and including Apostle Maldonado. Apostle Maldonado, Apostle Mike Connell, Pastor Dave, and Sarahs. All of them serve one person, and his name is Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe you should look past the guy on stage, look past the singers on stage, look past the screen, and maybe you should see Jesus. See, faith, this is what faith does. Faith puts God between us and our circumstances. Faith puts God between our circumstances. When when you put your faith in God, something happens. God begins to step in. It's not like God has changed. Some people believe, right, if I have faith, God will change. God doesn't change. We change. See, the moment I exercise my faith, the moment I start to believe, the moment I start to say, you know what, there is more to this God that I can see or experience, and I want to trust Him for the more, that very moment, something inside of you changes, and it activates and releases the power of God into our lives. See, in a meeting like this, something happens. A lot of us get easily distracted. And that's why we, get, we cannot touch God. That's why we can never experience God. See, when you come to church, right, every one of you believes God can do something. None of us come to church because we got a 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock slot. I don't know what to do with my Sunday morning from 10 o'clock, especially when it's the sun is out. You know, I don't know what to do with my time. I just, I, if I don't go, I should go to church. I mean, none of you came to church because, some of you came to church because your mother forced you here, so I kind of understand that, okay? But none of you came to church because you didn't know what to do with from 10 o'clock to 11.30. You came to church because you believe there is a God. You came to church because you're expecting something in your life. You came to church because you believe God can do something in your life that you cannot do by yourself. That's why you are here. So what, somewhere along the way, we come to church and then we get into this mode where we stop believing and we stop expecting. Because I remember this, a lot of people when they get, when Jesus came into town, were expecting Jesus. But only one believed. The one that believed, experienced. The one that believed, 
encountered Jesus. Can I have like ten, five, five, seven guys, seven guys? Can I have seven guys, big size men, you know? Guys, men. Okay, men. Yeah, men. Okay, I'm like, your church, like, okay, I, I think they got issues in your church, man. They, guys, check first. You got guys? Yeah. All right, there are five. Can I have one more? I need a Jesus. All right, here comes. Okay, they got a few more Jesus. Come on, man. Okay, come on the stage. I'm going to show you something. You ready? Okay. This is how it looked like in the time of Jesus, okay? So I need, I need you to gather in the group. Um, Jesus, come here. My Jesus, yes. You're Jesus right now. You're standing here. All right, center, man. Jesus is to be in the center here. Okay, right here. Stay here. Face this way. All right, look at the crowd there. That's your crowd. All right, the rest of you come and gather around him. Okay, two by two. Yeah, something like that. Some more. Okay. All right. Now, this is how it looked like with this woman. Now, I asked for big because I'm small. I'm going to play the woman. Play. Okay, I got a problem. I got an issue of blood for 12 years, right? I'm suffering. I'm weak. So now this is how I would look like, right? Now, the guys all around Jesus. Now, how many of you know to get through this crowd, two things need to happen? Hello? Number one, I got to touch people. And by law, I'm not supposed to touch people. But I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to risk everything that I have for this miracle. I'm going to risk everything in my life to touch Jesus because my hope is in Jesus. I cannot see Jesus in front of me, but I know he's in front of me. I'm going to reach out and touch him. See, some of us in this room, the reason why we never experienced the move of God, the supernatural things of God in our life has nothing to do with God, everything to do with you. Because you don't risk it. Some of us don't risk it because we're afraid that if I come out, there might be a demon come. Okay, don't worry. If the demon comes out, it's a good thing for you. If you go back with it, it's a bad thing. Oh, pastor, what if I come out and then nothing happens? Let me tell you something. It has happened to me many times. But I keep coming out. All I had was this. When I was growing up and I was trying to move in the things of God, I had very little faith and a whole lot of desperation. And I stepped out and I did some dumb things in my life. But right now I know that God is real. You got to risk it all. You got to risk it all. You got to risk it all. The second thing is this. You got to get past the distraction. What's your distraction? I can tell you most of us have a mental limitation that is our biggest distraction. We have put something in front of us that does not allow us to experience God in our life. We may come to this church. We may have experienced God a long time ago. You have seen God move in your life, but somewhere along the line, we have put this Mental block. And that's causing us not to experience God. Some of you are distracted by your neighbor. Not because they're beautiful, but they're irritating. <laughs> you know, you, you got some church members, when the moment you see them, it's like Jesus left the building. <laughs> I don't know about you, I've been there. Hello? I, I've got... I've been to churches where I don't want to preach. I want to get out. And I've seen people. I have people in my church where I wish I don't see them on Sunday. Especially one-to-one. On service, I can, I can look past them. But if they're up to you and you feel like the, the moment you... See, sometimes these are the things that stops us from experiencing God. And you got to. You got to. Come on, guys. Getting together. You got to push through... You got to push through. Just to touch Jesus. That's all. Push through. One more time, guys. You guys are strong. 
I'm coming through, guys. You better watch out. I don't care what you're going to do. I'm going to go through and I'm going to touch Jesus. Touch, touch. That's all. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jesus. You're good, man. Jesus stood there for me, man. Come on, guys. I'm going to tell you nothing is going to happen this week or next week. Or I'm out of service if you don't believe. If you don't believe, Jesus is going to turn up. We're going to see some miracles. But God is not in the, in, in the business of some. All that came to him got healed, the Bible says. He's in the business of healing everybody. Maybe from this week onwards, what you should do is turn up in church. Say, God, I just want to experience you. I don't want any distractions. God, you know what? I just, I just want to come and I have a need. I have this issue. I need this healing. I need this breakthrough. I have all this. I'm not kind of worried about it. Because I know today I'm going to touch you. And if I could touch you, all my problems will disappear. If I could just touch you, Jesus. That's all. Touch Jesus. So let's not let this moment pass. Let's not pass. Let's not go back the way we came in. Let's come to the place where we can say, Jesus, I want to touch you. Jesus, I just want to touch you. Can we all just stand up on our feet? Everybody else. Your love is greater. Your love is stronger. Just come to a place and says, God, I surrender. I just want to touch your presence. Hola
There's a man here in his 30s. You're going through some financial difficulty. You just lost, a, I think, a job or a business. I want to tell you, God says to you, there's a God that provides and He will open door for you in the next two weeks. Two weeks, something powerful is about to happen in your life that's going to take a div- move you to the next level. If you're that person, I want you to raise your hands wherever you are. I want to believe God for a miracle in your life. There's somebody here who's getting healed of back problem. And I'm praying, if you're that person, in a moment's time, I'm going to hand the mic over to Pastor Dave. And then you just come out. The ministry team will pray for you. There's somebody here who's got lung infection. And God, God is going to heal you. It's a lung infection. It's not something normal. You're not having cold cough. It's just an infection that can't seem to get away. It's been there for a while. And I believe God's going to heal you. God wants to do something powerful in your life. Some of you, you know, I just this morning I was, I was just praying. Some of you just just been out of sync with the presence of God. You come to church every week and you don't, you just go through the motion of service. You've forgotten what it is like to feel the love of God. You've forgotten what it's like to feel the presence of God. Maybe you need to just say, God, I just need to feel you again and experience you. And if you're that, as we sing this song, wherever you are, just come out and let God do His miracle. Let God do His thing. Let's do that song again. Your love is greater.